Hey, welcome to Unreeled. Welcome to Unreeled. I'm Grayson. I'm Elijah. And we're going to be doing a little bit of a different episode today. We're going to be deep diving Killers of the Flower Moon. Yeah. Um, that will be sort of our last segment. We're going to open with a little news, a little something a little lighter, um, and catch up, you know, on films we watched this week and yeah, then yeah. really jump in yeah so. i hope you guys enjoy this new taste yeah new twist not new taste and it goes without saying that um heavy topics will be discussed yes. spoilers as, as well as spoilers and yeah entail. we're gonna be pretty in depth on specific points of the movie yeah. uh, and give our thoughts on it and also talk about like you know there's there's some politics in here so if that's not really your bag um go fuck yourself listen sit down learn educate yourself amen so Amen. true um yeah and thank y'all for listening as always thanks so much yeah enjoy the podcast bye uh, enjoy the episode <laughs> we we're changing, we're changing up the format yeah we're do something a little new it's a little new open with some news oh, some news maybe started. have you guys seen these trailers check them out yeah um so some news that i think people either know or maybe don't know still is that sag is still on strike technically true um true that there is no deal has been reached, but they're gonna talk about. They're gonna get back to them on Wednesday. The studios, right. but apparently the biggest problem is still AI. Yes. And I, I, how is that? How is that? I don't understand. <clears throat> like how? Because they want to do like they want like one scan of a person mm -hmm. to use out their likeness in the mm -hmm. future if they have to. Especially for extras. Yeah. Um, it's very interesting uh, because we've already seen it put in place, act, like actively used by the Marvel shows. Did you see that? Mm -mm. They had um, audience members for like a, a basketball. Oh, it's a Disney, like a Disney, Disney, a Disney show. show yeah. yeah. Well, and also Nick Cage and The Flash. That's all yes. AI. Yeah. That and was AI. Yeah, he didn't. Damn. He didn't. He didn't record for that. I knew it was CG. I didn't know if it was AI. Well, and they also did it for and, Christopher and Reeve. The, well, and there was a guy that played the old Flash, like the original Flash, mm -hmm. uh, but he played him in the new show. Right. Yes. And yes. he says he's like, dude, I was in it. I don't remember being in it. And he was like, I had my body scanned. Like I didn't know what it was for. I wasn't told what it was for. Yeah. I thought it was just for something to do with the show coming up. Like taking someone's likeness, like actively taking their likeness and representing them and not paying them for it is crazy. Yeah, especially what if you're like gonna scan their whole body. Yeah. It's actually insane. Um, I saw Michael Bay weigh in on it and I'm you know I'm not a big Michael Bay fan but he said you know uh, he said honestly we shouldn't be too worried because the lazy filmmakers the people who do nothing will make bad content with AI yeah and it just creates more space for the original voices to actually stand out yeah I mean that's true I was like that's a very optimistic look at it and maybe I'm misinterpreting his words but maybe. Um, yeah very interesting. It's definitely interesting that the strike's been going on like almost 120 mm -hmm. something days. It's been I think it's like the second longest strike in the history of SAG. Well, and I, I work at a movie theater. <laughs> I mean, in this time next year, I'm fucked. There's no movies. Yeah, because everything's. There's nothing. Because Doom is already pushed back. Yeah. And but that'll come out next year. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. Well, the strike, the strike should the be over by then. But I heard they don't want you to deal before like the end of the month. Like they're going to have to wait till January. Well, even still, if, if if production started on a bunch of projects tomorrow, we still probably wouldn't see them until this time next year. Yeah. Which means next year has all these open slots. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, know, like, the average filming takes 
like a month mm-hmm. to like three to four, depending yeah. on like how big the shoot is. And then you think <coughs> editing, like production. Yeah, post-production is usually the and, and, and process. And if the visual effects people start using unionizing, which I hear they might do, that's another thing we have to figure out because visual effects is a really big part of a lot of movies mm-hmm. these days. And without that, the movie's not going to come out. And, and I'm, I'm there for it. Like, if they want to strike, I'm there for it. So movies could be delayed by, like, indefinitely. Yeah. VFX striking is a little more complicated because um, it's so offshored, yeah. so outsourced. Yeah. Well, I feel like uh-huh. it should be a, a part of IATSE. Yeah. Interesting. But I don't know. Because that's, like, the lighting mm-hmm. and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Interesting. Well, we'll see. I don't really know what's going to happen with that. I hope they do unionize because... Because it happens, like, even, like, animators are put, like, mm-hmm. last minute, like, with the Spider-Man across the yeah, Spider-Verse. Yeah, that's a great example. Um, Lord and Miller. I, I like them as writers. I like the work they've put out. Uh, I, I've i kind of soured on uh, Across the Spider-Verse mm-hmm. um, as time has gone on. I don't think it's very rewatchable because, A, it doesn't know where to end, so it just drags. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And, B, the reason it's so long, like... 20%, 30% of the of the fat of the entire film is just like, ooh, look, this Spider-Man, that Spider-Man, reference, reference. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't know. It's kind of it's kind of the most guilty of the crime of like that superheroes movies tend to do, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I was thinking about them, and then the real thing that really pisses me off because I've been, I've been a big fan of Alden for a minute. You know what I'm saying? Like, and they shit on him. Whenever they made the solo movie and it flopped, yeah, they blamed him. Yeah, they said he was not charismatic, that he wasn't a good actor, that they couldn't work with him, which is just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It's just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So sorry for the aside. No, no, no. It's news. It's news, baby. It's news, it's news baby. I feel like I should take papers and just like. <laughs> um. <clears throat> oh, because we we recorded last week. Mm. The episode's out, by the way. Woo. Um. And we didn't. We were recording for like a week or two weeks before, so we missed a couple important trailers. Right. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. We <sighs> haven't talked about this at all because <laughs> we haven't. We just haven't talked about it. Apes together strong. Yeah. I mean, you've already seen the, the little Easter egg that people were sharing around. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. window is the necklace. Yes. It's the little things like that. So Internal good. mythos building that out, giving us so much so much they got the paul giamatti ape back yes he's back yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. which is so weird because he's from the tim burton one yeah which is the bad one that they kind of pretend didn't happen so are we tying into that one <laughs> okay we'll have that one next rather than the original i don't know we'll see yeah watch all the eight movies next. i do want to watch the originals i still haven't seen i haven't any seen of the sequels i've only the seen old ones the first one I've seen the first one and then i've seen the new trilogy, the new trilogy yeah but i haven't seen beneath conquest war four i don't have the titles what are they gonna do yeah. Because Kingdom is... Kingdom kind of hits. Kingdom is a good oh, one. Oh, it looks so good. And I love that it looks, like, even through all, like, it's, I'm going to say, like, what, 90% visual effects mm-hmm. and CG. It looks, it looks phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I will say, when Dawn came out, I was like, holy shit. Like, nothing has ever looked more real. Like, when they would swing through the trees, they'd mm-hmm. have little branches and twigs in their hair and mm-hmm. stuff, and mm-hmm. I'd be like, holy shit. But... um it's kind of stagnated. I feel like VFX in general has stagnated well, yeah, yeah, yeah. to a degree because um, you can only do so much, right? Yeah. Uh, it still kind of looks the same, um, but the scale of it is beautiful. And also there could be a level of like, they're trying to keep visual continuity. Yeah. That way if you like boot them up, like you've got a movie from like what, 2009 mm-hmm, Rise mm-hmm. or 2011 or something, something like, like that. that. 2010 maybe. Um, 
and you have to kind of keep a visual continuity if it just constantly jumps in scale it makes it a lot harder to watch you know what i mean yeah i mean that makes sense that makes sense and it's, yeah. this is technically like n- or not a reboot but it's like a continuation of right. the trilogy that's what they've said and a, <coughs> and it's a prequel and eventually they'll probably remake the first movie yeah which will be good and it feels like we're real close to that which is interesting for me because they'd have to do some narrative mm. continuity changes because like yeah, we're getting to a world that looks, from the trailer, it looks like the world that he crash lands on in the first one, right? Yeah. But at the same time, that one, it's been so long that they've forgotten humanity. Whereas this one takes place kind of like one or two generations removed. It's not even like... Now, we will probably see active burial of, of humanity to yeah. try and like yeah, erase yeah, yeah. that. Because there's, like, there's only like three characters in the movie, humans right. in the movie. Which honestly so is more of a horror story, if anything, if it's only been a generation or two. And they're like, nope. Because what? Because they're, Cause they're of, like hunting in, humans. In war, because he's the son of Caesar. Yeah, Cornelius, so, right? Yeah. Yeah. So like, it hasn't been that long. Mm-mm. And he's like he looks, he looks like a, like, a, mm-hmm. this guy, like a early twenties ape, yeah. <laughs> like a teen like a young teen ape. And what's weird too is that in the original movie Cornelius is a character, but he's not like the son of Caesar or whatever. Yeah. So I'm like, are they like might are they be just rewriting making, to yeah. fix to like just they might be taking liberties. Yeah, there yeah to yeah, like yeah. create just a to, new. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I'm excited for that one. Yeah, I think it was that next Me year. Me too. I'm very excited. Him with that falcon. Oh, oh so good. Cool as fuck. So good. Ape on eight crime. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, other trailers that I think Godzilla minus one, obviously, obviously, obviously. I mean, we're here for it. We're it's one of my most anticipated films. Me too. Me too. It's a period piece, mm-hmm. um, and the title is genius. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's really interesting because the original Godzilla came out in like the fifties, right? And it just t- it took place in that present moment. Yeah. And ever since we've created Godzillas that take place in the present moment, right? For whatever reason, I feel like we haven't gone back and been like, well, this also takes place in the 50s. Mm-hmm. And and we were talking about this too. It shifts from, it's always kind of been about like nuclear war or government ineptitude mm-hmm. or, you know, some kind of warning there, environmental stuff. Um, or it's just been fun, right? Yeah. They're sh- they've shifted to focus on economic collapse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the title comes from the idea of like if the go- if the if the economy is really fragile post war, and something happens to put it into like the negatives minus one. Um, so I'm very excited. It made a shit ton of money. Oh yeah. It made more than Shin Godzilla. Oh yeah. Uh, a billion yen isn't. A- isn't like a ton of movie of money. It's like it's kind of like a million dollars if you think about yeah. it, like the math there. Yeah, but Japan but, is like relatively smaller, right? And <clears throat> that and it also yeah. makes a lot of money over here. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. it's crazy how like like an like for us, Fast and Furious makes the majority of its money <laughs> overseas. Yeah, and then Godzilla makes the majority of their movie overseas over here because yeah. we just love Godzilla. Because technically, we did create Godzilla because of yeah. the bombs. So we apologize. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, I can't wait for that. It looks so good. The tra- the first sneak peek trailer was like a minute. Oh, yeah, so Holy good, shit. so good. Um, the I boy in the hair and voice cast. 
Did board. you see that? Yes. Um, Robert Pattinson? Of course, Robert doing, Pattinson. Doing something crazy? He's he's working within a character. And yes. Brilliant. Yes. Like, and someone made a good point. As no, like, actors don't do that anymore. Right. They just do themselves, they voicing do. a character. It's Tim Allen as Buzz Lightyear. Buzz Lightyear, yeah. And that goes all the way back. I've always, I've always harped on how I think Pixar, as much as I love Pixar movies, ruined the voice acting scene. Mm-hmm. You don't have voice actors who are beloved anymore. You have actors who also voice act. You know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and, and voice acting is something very dear to my heart. I would love to be a voice actor someday. Like, um, So to see that kind of scene get destroyed in that way is... is no, it doesn't... You know. So I remember this happened when the new Scuba movie came out mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. voice actors who've been voicing like Fred since the 70s and mm-hmm. Daphne since like the early 2000s. It still does. They still voice and they're mm-hmm. like, oh, we wish, but I wish we at least would have gotten an approach to have this opportunity mm-hmm. because if you're with a character for like 40, 40, 50 yeah. years, like... I think that should be like I mean Matthew Lillard also does Shaggy but like that's a different kind of thing I feel like because he was an actor like portrayed him and then does a different voice for Shaggy not his real voice and he does a good Shaggy voice it's different but and he stepped into the role because he had done it on screen Mm -hmm. and people appreciated like yeah Yeah. responded well to it and then the the original voice actor passed right yeah yeah Casey Kasem so he had to he he was essentially nominated he was embraced into it yeah yeah there's a level of ethics and, and selection there that makes sense. Yeah. Rather than just like forcing them out to have like Zach Efron in. Like that's just cringe. Or who is the Shaggy? Will Forte was Shaggy. Oh, I like Will Forte. That <laughs> sucks, I like I like them all, but it's like fuck. It's interesting. Yeah. But I can't wait for that movie looks so good. The Boy and the Heron. Yeah, studio. it does. It looks really good. I love that, like, even though I've seen the trailer, I have no idea what it's about. I know. And that's no the best thing. When I heard in Japan, there was no marketing. There was one mm-hmm. poster, the one mm-hmm. that, the only poster that was It released. didn't even have the name released. Yeah. And <laughs> it was How Do You Live. <laughs> and that's the name in Japan. Yeah. Which oh, is that's crazy. that's the name? Yeah. But, um, they, what was I going to say? I was going to say, I'm blinking. Oh, like, yeah, there was no advertisement. There was no posters, no trailers. Uh, and then they released it. Because just the name, like, Hayao Miyazaki yeah. is enough to get anybody in the seats. Yeah. And that made a lot of a shit ton of money, too, in Japan. Yes, It's it already did. made a it lot did. of money. And and it's his post-retirement movie. Post-retirement movie, movie yeah. And he's already going to make another. And love I love what I love about it. It's not afraid to be ugly animation, but still beautiful at the same time. No one else does it like him. Mm-hmm. It's just so good. Yeah, like, you can have... What I, what I always thought was really interesting about his approach to... Uh, character design is that in so much animation especially in western animation you see ugliness attributed Mm -hmm. specifically to villains Um, you see you know disabilities and uh, obesity and ugliness in general all assigned to villains and they're bad people and they're bad characters and those represent them and it communicates something to the audience immediately because of our our, our prejudices but it also reinforces, right? It creates a sort of uh, uh, reinforced idea that these traits are inherently bad. Yeah. Um, Miyazaki's characters will look I, like like Spirited Away. You have the the witch who looks identical to her, you know, twin sister. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. One's good, one's bad, but they're not necessarily bad. Like it, it plays on moral ambiguity, and it also like they'll have ugly characters who are the good guys. Yeah. You know, and they'll have these. It, it just it not necessarily subverts as much as takes a, 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 a stance against this mm-hmm. idea that like drawing out a character you have to characterize them yeah 
because that makes you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I can't remember that movie. Two things, and then we'll wrap up on news. Mm-hmm. <coughs> they announced they finally announced the sequel to It Follows. They follow. Yes. Uh, that I, movie I feel like is very polarizing. Mm-hmm. It had a cult following at first, and mm-hmm. then it became a really big movie, and now people right. hate it. Uh, and yeah, I love it. I saw it in theaters with my friends. It was like, I was thinking it was in high school when it came out. I loved it. It came out. I saw mm-hmm. it in theaters with my friends. We because I had no idea what it was. And I wasn't really like big into film mm-hmm. at the time. Because I think it was like, I was like, a, oof, maybe a freshman or sophomore yeah. in high school. So I was like, oh, what is this? It's a horror movie. I love horror, uh-huh. you know? And it ended up being this hybrid. And it kind of introduced mm-hmm. me into like filmmaking as a whole. Right. I think it's one of the films that I really like was like, wow, like this is just so cool. Yeah. I don't think it needs a sequel. No. Um, so I'm interested to see where this goes. It definitely goes. doesn't need a sequel. I think I'm one of the people who I, I wouldn't say I soured on it. I never really got it. I watched it. I heard a lot of buzz around it. When I watched it, I was like, "That's all right." I liked the kind of low scale, the smaller scale of it. Yeah. There's a couple shots that I really love in it. I yeah, love when yeah. she's in the pool. In the pool, in the that pool. still yeah. st- sticks in my head. You know, um, the shell phone is cool. You know, yeah. <laughs> when she has that little like thing. The, the beginning scene where she like the car lights are on her body. Yeah, I think that's always a cool shot. I really hate the way that the narrative plays out. I think it's just, I'm like, why would you choose to tell it that way? Mm-hmm, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I did, I didn't dislike the movie. Yeah. I just was like, eh. Um, the reason that I'm excited for the sequel is that this director has been in director jail. They put him, they locked him up, they threw away the key. So if they're letting him out, it's even if good. he's directing a sequel to something that doesn't need a sequel, he probably doesn't want to do it in the first place. At least... Maybe we'll get another movie like Under the Silver Lake. I love Under the Silver you Lake. You do. You do. I don't give a sh- I've been you saying do. that since yeah. I saw it. It was uh, when I saw it. I was like, "This is amazing." I... And so many people, the same people who hated it, now are like, "Yeah, that's pretty good." Actually, we maybe we should have this original. <sighs> I'm always right. I watched the Nice Guys <laughs> in theaters. I watched the Nice Guys in theaters. I know how to spend my money. I thought it was. Okay, I didn't dis- I, like, I didn't dislike yeah. it. I didn't love it, but yeah. I thought that it was because so like, I was yes because I liked it. Falls. I was like excited mm-hmm. for Under the Silver Lake. I said, right. "Oh yeah, Andrew Garfield. Mm-hmm. Oh hell yeah!" You know, yeah. I was so excited. It didn't click with me for some reason. It didn't click for a lot of people, and I get it. It's like Thomas Pynchon. It mm-hmm. feels like it's trying to be a Pynchon book on screen without actually adapting Pynchon, and Pynchon is not for everybody. So it's real prickly. It really is. It's it's hard to get into. It has unreliable narrator playing out in real time, which is hard to do visually. Yeah. Uh, the owl lady, that shit's scary. Yeah. That was scarier than anything he did in It Follows. <laughs> I was walking in there. I was like, what the fuck? Uh, I love that movie. I know you do. I have to give another shot. I think eventually. the matte painting. I think that I. See? Oh yeah, that was you know good. That was a good. You do love matte painting. Oh, who doesn't though? Who doesn't? Bring matte paintings back. I'm saying. I'm saying. Um. The last thing is the biggest release of this week is the Marvels. Mm. Um, it's estimated to be about sixty million, which is on the lower side. Um, I'll probably watch it tomorrow. Mm. Yeah, uh, spoilers. Uh, they have announced in the score. If you care about the Marvel stuff, a why are you listening? <laughs> B, um, <laughs> you probably already know uh, the X two yeah. theme yeah, and yeah, X Men yeah. Days of Future Past. I had heard that they did that at the end of Miss Marvel and they didn't do anything with it. I have heard, and I won't say anything for those who care, but they are actually acting on it this time. The Stinger has a returning actor from the original series. I'm so excited. I won't say who or what. 
So I'm gonna see it tonight, and I'll probably pop off just because I do like X Men a lot. We talked about this yesterday. How much I like the X Men. I feel a little guilty, but it's interesting. They're going in two different directions. Yeah. Deadpool three, he's supposed to be killing off the Foxverse. Yeah. But yeah, they're yeah. bringing back characters from the Foxverse in the mainline stuff. Also, Sean Levi. Why? Why Sean Levi? Yeah, you don't like him. I don't. Well, I love Big Fat Liar. That's a that's, okay, that's a masterpiece. Who doesn't though? That's a masterpiece. That's his one and only. Yeah, that's his, that's his magnum yeah. opus. Is yeah. <laughs> liar. That's a fucking amazing. Well, and not at the museum. Like there was a time and a place. I think he's capable of making yeah. good movies. Yeah. I just don't think he's capable of making non-studio. Like he's, he only makes yeah. like you know safe money makers. Yeah, yeah. You know. So I'll see it hopefully this weekend, and then mm-hmm. hopefully the holdovers this weekend too, which yes. is like not a big release, but like yes. it's big for me. We will be watching. We'll be watching that. that. I don't care what time we watch it. We'll watch you it. You are very excited. I'm, I'm so very excited, excited too. So I think excited. it's gonna be good. And I've been excited for a while because I went to check come out. You said mm-hmm. it looks okay. Yeah. And I was like, get some taste. <sighs> the the shift in the trailer. Yeah. Um. It's done earnestly, and I am so irony poisoned. I'm I'm so sick in the head that like. For whatever reason, that shift just doesn't really connect for me. I'm That's like, fair. That's fair. Eh. but I think it's more of the trailer itself. And the more that I watch the movie, the way it's lit, the yeah. way that the yeah. performances are already popping, I'm like, this is gonna be. It's gonna be so, I'm so excited. I'm so excited um, for the holdovers. That's like your most anticipated movie right now. It's, yeah, I think so. Yeah. It was all of the strangers, but I saw yeah. that. Yeah. So now it's the holdovers. For me right now, it might be the Bob Marley movie. It might be the Bob Marley. Come out next year though. Right? It's gonna be the Christmas. Uh, I think it's early next year. Okay, I I'm excited about that one too. But yeah, I it just looks so good. I get chills every time the trailer's on. The way that they've slowed and edited the song yeah. to fit into the trailer—that's good. I, I love it. I hate when they do that on anything. It sounds so good. You and Bob Marley's so important to me. So yeah, I can't wait for that. I can't wait. So that's, that's gonna be movie of the year next year. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, we get to our we get to our rankings sooner. Top ten of the twenty twenty three because yes. it's almost over. I am. I have updated my list. I've I can't wait. I haven't even made my list yet. I've kept my twenty twenty three list updated in order. Yeah. So then I, I can do my top twenty that. or top ten off that. Because I just I don't know. I need to. I think I'm watching Priscilla tomorrow or tonight. Yeah. Watching it eventually. We I don't like watch Priscilla. it last night because Avery had plans. I, I will. I will be bringing up Priscilla today. Okay. Mm. So now we're going to anything that we watched this week that you want to. Uh, yeah. Specifically, talk about before yeah. we get into our big, our big pivot to the new format. I only watched two movies this week. I noticed. I watched. Well, okay, I'm not fake. Uh, a lot of people are fake yeah. and also dumb, um, and they log movies that they didn't actually watch. It'll be on in the background, or they'll have like. I made one joke about that. Uh, they'll have like ten minutes, you know, of it, <laughs> and like most of the people on Letterbox that you see that have like five thousand mo- movies logged. 3,000 movies, like whatever, it's usually this is the case. Like, they I have, just are I almost have 2,300. Jeez. But I also like log short films mm-hmm. and like animated features. I, I do just, as well. So, like, it's mostly that. Yeah. Or if or there's, documentaries. A, show, if there's yeah. a show that's on there, I'll log it. I'm not like, I don't do it as a monolith. But for instance, I watched the first half of Northman this week. I didn't log that, even though I watched half of it, you know? Yeah. Because I'm not going to like. I didn't watch the movie. That's um, fair. That's fair. Or I've started a couple other movies and not finished them or got distracted and, you know. So I've yeah. only really sat down and watched two movies. Okay. Mm-hmm. And one of them we're going to talk about, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Go ahead. What's, your one, what's the one movie, other movie that you the watched? The one other movie I've watched before we deep dive. Um, 
is Priscilla. Uh-huh. I I thought I would like it less than the people I was with because I'm not a big Elvis fan. Uh, I don't have major ties to Priscilla um, or that family mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, so I just I, I didn't, and I'd never seen this is this is being vulnerable here. I'd never seen a Sofia Coppola movie ever. We watched the Beguiled together. Oh, I forgot she did the Beguiled. Yeah, we did I the lied. VIP. And I've been lying all week. <laughs> <laughs> a week I've been saying. Well, you never, never you never seen Lost in Translation. I've never seen Lost in Translation. I've never seen Marie Antoinette. I've never seen. I've never seen. Marie, um, I've only seen On the Rocks. One of I saw that one. Her big one. <laughs> I saw, I've seen that one. It's on it's on TV. I, I heard it's okay. Yeah, it's it's, um, it's just like a filler movie. I feel like. Yeah, and what's what's her other one that's big? Um, um, the Bling Ring. The Bling Ring. Well, and then she did another one that's like really big. The Virgin oh, Suicides. The suicides yeah. I haven't seen. I've only seen two of her movies, two or three. So like, I'm not in the same boat, really. Her. Mastery over mise-en-scene. Mm-hmm. Which is great. Priscilla looks amazing, feels amazing. It's well acted, but that almost feels beside the point. Yeah. Like, uh, their approach to representing Elvis feels like an answer to what we got earlier uh, mm-hmm. last year, mm-hmm. um, which is good. I like that. that. Was last year, wow. Was it 2021? No, I think it was last year. Oh, okay, I was, good. I was working there. Good, yeah. It just feels um, like forever ago. <laughs> it does. It feels like five years. Yeah. I... I and I have my feelings on that movie and the things that they do, but to kind of answer it with a film that instead of trying to whitewash that legacy, kind of tackles it mm-hmm. to a degree, but with, with a level of empathy and mm-hmm. understanding mm-hmm. is good. Um, aesthetically, it's just, it's a triumph. It really is. I, I loved it. Yeah. Um, she has a, she has a way time. with the visuals, I think. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. Uh, I don't know how she did it. Like, like every, e- even something as simple as like a car, mm-hmm. like just a car will be placed in a way. And I'm like, oh my God, the way it's so glossy and perfect. And she's I'm a, like, that car doesn't even She's a Coppola, so it runs in the family. Yeah. And yeah, the Coppola's, oh my God. They don't yeah. miss. Roman yeah. Coppola. Nicholas Cage. Jason Schwartzman. Sophia Coppola. Sophia Coppola. <laughs> the big G. Yeah. Daddy Francis. Um, I will say on a little personal note, I my grandma was obsessed with Elvis, obsessed, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and um, I grew up listening to like Elvis around Christmas, especially. Yeah, and uh, she passed uh, last year, which was sad. She didn't see the Elvis movie. I was gonna take her and everything, mm-hmm. but I had mixed feelings about that. Anyways, I don't think she would have liked it. Yeah. <laughs> um, the uh, we were going through at an, at a memorial. We were going through photos of her. And my partner, who she never got to meet, said, uh, oh, my God, she looks just like Priscilla Presley. <laughs> and I just couldn't not think of that. It melts my heart because I, I know that that would have melted her heart. You yeah. Know? I, I just I know she would have loved that. And that's so cute. I just think about that. So oh, and I thought about that during the movie a lot. That's so cute. Yeah. See, film. Film. Connects every part of the human body, it, human it, soul. It touches the human the human spirit. That's what I really like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I can't wait to see that. I'm excited to see mm-hmm. that eventually, mm-hmm. hopefully. Let me know what you think. I will. It'll be discussed. That's a big four star for me. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's fair. Um, I actually watched... I have a, I have two lists going on that are on private, but it's just like 2023 movies that I still want to see because mm-hmm. I haven't seen a bunch of them still. Right, me too. Because I feel like, I feel like this year was kind of, we were really busy. We were. And so I never got time to actually watch a movie. And then I have 
a tentative list that's called just like November, just like movies that I want to see. Because again, with like last year, like with Hooptober, I just watched 30 movies that I didn't really care for necessarily. Right. And so like I have a list of movies that I've just been dying to see that I'm just going to try to watch. It's like it's like 10, 8 movies that I just want to see. Right. I, just, I put them on first priority. They're not on my watch list, but like, they are on my watch cool. list. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. So that's what I have. But um, I actually went to the movie by myself, the little solo outing, and I watched a little rom-com. Um, what happens later with Meg Ryan and David Duchovny? Duchovny. Duchovny. What? I haven't. Why do I not know about this? I love David Duchovny. It came out. It came out a couple weeks ago. What's um, it called? What happens later? It's what Meg Ryan's later? directorial, not debut. It's her second movie, but it's about two exes who get like locked in an airport during a snowstorm in the South over like the holidays. Mm-hmm. Um, it's cute. It's a cute little yeah. movie. It's a rom com. It's Meg Ryan is back. Um, I have a soft spot for Meg Ryan. Meg Ryan reminds me of my mom. Yeah. Just because like we used to watch You've Got Mail, Sleep in Seattle, like yeah. when Harry met Sally. Um, so seeing her back, and she's went through a lot of like a lot of hate with the media, and she like because too so much. I, so I feel bad, but she she was great. She was great. Yeah, she 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 shines when she is, you know, doing. This is very interesting. It's it it's not really well reviewed, and if you ever watch a rom com that is well reviewed, mm-hmm. what are you doing? Yeah, like you're wasting your time. It's a two point six. A, a that's, a solid, that's a solid. That's like, a solid. It's for rom com. Yeah, and like. That's what I want. It is a little long. It's almost it's an hour forty. Hundred five minutes. Hour forty five. Yeah. You kind of feel it towards the end. Yeah. But um, I just thought it was. I thought it was so cute, and it was like snowing. You know, how I love. We talk about how I love movies with right. snow. So and I wanted to see it, and no one else was showing it. But I was like, you know, I'll go see it. A little well, ten o'clock showing at night. Duchovny's had, or uh, uh, the reason he hasn't been in a lot of stuff except like shitty stuff recently is he kind of he's had a, he's had a, a tough time. Mm-hmm. You know. Recently, with uh, personally, yeah. you know, his personal yeah, life. I agree. I've read about that. Um, so it's interesting to see him leaning towards a, nor- uh, a charismatic role. Right? Yeah. Would you say he does that? He plays like the, kind of the, the funny straight man to, because so he's like right. a he's like the business guy, and she's like a free spirit. Like right. she's from Austin, so she's like a spiritual like, oh, chakra nice. healer, like and a, he's like an, a business person, a Gen X kind. And they of used to date in college, and it, it really dives deep into like why they didn't work out. Right. And they don't talk about it until like. 25 years later so it's interesting because like when you break up with somebody and you don't know why or you don't know how they're really feeling which right i was going through yeah i'm going through so it's like interesting to like see that like 25 years later and be like they still have love for each other and you learn about all this stuff it's 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 cute i give it three stars it's a little rom-com this is like i can't understate this enough this is the kind of movie that like i love i love a little like get these two actors who work well together put them together yeah uh, let them have fun, especially it's if it's like dry humor yeah. uh, and you know some drama in there. One setting is nice too, not always necessary. And it's only the, it's only those mm-hmm. two. It, it it calls to mind um, the Keanu Reeves and Winona Ryder movie that I love. Oh um, yeah, I remember um, you talking about that. It's called, called like that? the trip or something. something like uh, that. The honeymoon. The wedding? I forget what it's called, which is funny because yeah, it's not super memorable, but it's like it's just a perfect little movie. And there's nothing wrong with these movies. Like people take them, no. like you know, like a rom com has never been like a critically acclaimed genre. Yeah. Because I remember like you've gotten mail and like sleep. What's it called? Destination Wedding. Oh, that's right. That's yeah. right. That's right. And it's a banger. There's like mountain lions and shit in it. It's, it's great. Like, um, I need to watch that. I love a, I love a good rom com. Yeah. 
and I was just in a mood for a rom com. You know, I was like, I was like, I was been super depressed this week. Yeah, <laughs> me too. So I was like, I just want someone to pick me up, and it was cute. It was cute, and I, I that's all I needed. You know, nothing wrong with a little, a mediocre rom com that makes you smile. You know. Yeah, exactly. Nothing Sometimes that's that. what you need, and we only ever get those when, uh, you know, the economy is in shambles. So. Yeah. You know, because I'm here for it. There haven't been rom coms <laughs> like for there was that period in like the mm-hmm. late 2010s where there was mm-hmm. no rom coms. Yeah. And then we started getting the one with Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum, and yeah. the one with Julia Roberts and George Clooney. The, uh, what was that called? Uh, Ju- uh yes. Yes, um, we had it. It, it did what was great. that called? Uh, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, where it's for her kids' honeymoon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they go um, to like Thailand or something like that. Tickets Paradise. Ticket to Paradise. And Lost City. City. Um, and then we have, yeah. So what happens later? A ton of fun, and we're also getting the business dramas back. Like, mm-hmm. I love. I think part of it is having grown up and been like just old enough to start appreciating movies during yeah. the recession. Yeah, like the, the brunt of the recession is like a lot of movies that were uh, formative for me were like those mid-budget mid-total yeah, budget yeah. movies well we talked about everywhere we haven't mm-hmm. only we've talked about on here but the mid mm-hmm. the mid-budget movie's dead mm-hmm. and people are trying to bring it back it is it's and as they back, should it's coming back in a major way like we need to bring back like bring back like political thrillers mm-hmm. like those um like the one with sandra bullock the pelican brief yeah though that's julia roberts or a time to kill with matthew mcconaughey like like yeah. those, are, those are those are like mid-budget movies but they're so good the they're, one i always think about is michael clayton yeah i think there's no more perfect movie than michael clayton yeah, yeah. Uh, it's one of my Although, like all made. the thousands that harrison ford did a political yeah. thrillers like bring some of those back you know or give us you know sports business dramas which we're getting with air, air. that was fun blackberry kind of but it's blackberry, like a tech, tech yeah. drama any any backroom business drama that's kind of like high intensity yeah. or or is kind of chilled out like, yeah like air was pretty chilled you yeah know? that was fun I do not love it. <laughs> I do not I've love never it. Never seen it. And then I watched Elemental. You did. I did. What do you think? It was actually kind of cute. It's super cute. It's super cute. And, and really. Um, and it's very. It's, it's very on the nose, but it's it's the immigration story. Yes. Is, is really is sweet. Yes, it and is like, sweet, and it really is sweet, and it is something that I think a lot of people who like, I mean, I'm, my parents are immigrants, but like I have people like my grandparents are, and so. And great grandparents, you know all that mm-hmm. stuff. So it's just it's interesting because like they do give up everything mm-hmm. just to start a shop or just to yeah. run a hair salon, and they want better for you, but you always think you can't disappoint yeah. them. And even now, like I think I struggle with that. Yeah. I think a lot of people struggle with that. I think it's a very nice thing. It's like you know what they want and what you want is yeah. everything. And it, and it was it was just it was really cute. It, it was, was really, really interesting how they, and, and also equally it could be taken as problematic the way that these characters are representative of specific races in a way um, that water is clearly like very much the white you know which is interesting because the the main water guy is voiced by a black guy yeah and then like I mean I think the only people we can actually tell are like the five Mm -hmm. people who are Asian yeah because like Like Middle Eastern Middle Eastern like I know the main actress is like Chinese yeah but, but they try to do blind casting for the most part, which is cool. And but like, there's that scene where she goes to the family, and they're very yeah. much like the stereotypical, like, yeah. like progressive white family. But then they have those little microaggressions. Mm-hmm. What I thought mm. was really interesting about that, I know, right? <laughs> and because they're fiery, right? Yeah, yeah. What yeah. I thought was really interesting was that they they did a really good job of like it's it's a kids movie, but they're like they're sneaking in like this is a representation of what like microaggressions look yeah. like. Like that even if you're like trying to do the right thing, you're maybe not doing the right thing. 
Um, I think it handled it perfectly in, in yeah. a good way where they, after they would say it, she didn't really correct them. Yeah. She laughed it off and then they kind of realized they were wrong. Yeah. It was a very grown up story. Yes. Uh, which is why a lot of kids did not like it. <laughs> and I will say like, like watching it, it's really gorgeous. Like the animation, like how the fire is always constantly I moving. I love the way it looks. Or yeah. like the water, like the, like yeah. their character design is genius. Everything feels like it has a center and then kind of a external layer like the fire is like there's this fire and then yeah. there's kind of the, the outer layer yeah, yeah, yeah. the water does that too um and like learning like like mm -hmm. of course like when fire gets to sand it turns yeah. into glass yeah. and like seeing that like it's yes, just it's, it's very, very cool. it's very interesting showing that they can work together which is predictable but it's like it's it's a nice like message. making steam and how yeah. i love the the cloud ball scene yes the, the, i love you <laughs> and the, the guy, they did the wave cute little ass face <laughs> yeah he did the wave all the way around yeah it was good it's good um, it's a good little movie and it definitely i mean it's, it's considered a sleeper hit i was looking into it last night a sleeper hit because it doubled it his budget so much money uh, in the in the fourth and fifth week. Yeah, after it like underperformed, but word of mouth, mm -hmm. and you don't see that anymore. No, you don't. You really don't see people yeah. like movies doing that, which is surprising, especially a Pixar movie, because usually and Pixar. I had a lot of return viewers. Whenever I had like, I served probably the same uh, two friends who were clearly like Disney Pixar yeah. fans. Oh, let us see. In the I theaters. served the same two like six times. Um, I I guess I could log that on Letterbox because I worked triples of that. <laughs> In, a, in an 80 degree theater, the AC was broken. Oh, theater one. And I did that for, yeah, and I did that for five weeks straight. I remember that. I was you were theater stuck there. one for like. I refused to work there. I did not have any <laughs> shifts outside of theater one for two weeks straight. You kind of see the whole movie. I mean, I've seen you, every single piece of the movie. Yeah. I just haven't seen it in order. Um, it's, it's so cute. And it, I also like, real quick, how it honors like traditions within mm -hmm. like because like, you know like the mm -hmm. they migrated from the fireland right. to go here and they did and the, the bowing thing and the and blue flame mm -hmm. and then like not getting that in return i know that hurts mm -hmm. like traditions are very important to you yeah. know people of color and ethnic people and people yeah. of other cultures and so like when and i like that she was like modern she's like oh well, i don't want to do that but she'll she still respects like what her father's right. culture and what like the blue flame she had to save it right. like you feel like you have to balance like being who you are but also like honoring your culture right. and it was a nice balance to see that on film there is a uh, there could be a discussion around how because it's an allegory right and you can't like translate 100 percent. like there is sort of issues with bioessentialism mm -hmm. like if you're saying oh this is a characterization of like a, a non-western race it's like are we saying that they have bad tempers uh inherently yeah that they're like fiery yeah. or whatever that they you know whatever um, that they're they have these strange traditions like there are issues there like genuine issues that could be tackled But I don't think none of them are done with malice like it's yeah like, yeah, yeah, and I think that it, it just happens because like It's about elements. It's not about you know what I mean? Yeah, and like um, Cause like it's about the director who is his parents migrated immigrated yeah. from North Korea or South Korea mm -hmm. and like he based it off his parents. Yeah, and then and the movie was received really well in South Korea. It grossed more there than across the Spider Verse. Did. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, so that's an interesting fact. How when you see yourself on screen, or you like try to depict it, and I don't think, of course, like it might be different, but it was probably his experience. Do you remember the marketing, Claude? Yeah. Remember they? It was like week three, and they were making no money, and Disney starts like staging these like screenings where like when Claude shows up, people go ah. 
<laughs> like it was like the most staged like theater presence thing. No one gave a shit about Claude. Claude was in there for like two scenes. He he literally had nothing. And he goes, an act of God or an act of Claude? <laughs> 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 fucking this fucking guy. Okay, okay, okay. We keep yeah. doing this where we talk about movies. Last one. I watched yeah. Pulse. Pulse. And this is a movie that Grayson loves. Yeah, I've been waiting for the podcast. I didn't want to ask any follow-up questions. I'm curious because I loved. I I loved it. it I I loved it. I love. I love a like a non-linear story where Mm -hmm. two storylines like start and they kind of. I did not expect it to be so like apocalyptic in scale. No, I didn't either. I thought the ending threw me off a little story. Yeah, I thought it was like just a group of friends. I didn't think it was like the whole fucking world. And it took me a while to realize it was two different Mm storylines because it kind of takes place in like they're kind of almost the same like about like. Dealing with like, just because like, they're both like university greenhouse, they look kind of the same mm-hmm. a little bit. But and I, when I found it, when I realized that I had to rewind it a little bit, I was like, oh, okay, right, sense. right. Um, yeah, no, I was not expecting the ending where like, the spoilers, but it's been out for like twenty some years. But like when the plane crashes, I was like, wait, what the like? Then nobody yeah. was there. It's so sad too. Yeah, because everyone, it, it's a, it's a, like a pandemic of loneliness. Yeah, which is so interesting because it was so like it, it's very on the nose and it's very like. It's almost banal to a degree where it's like, yeah, look, uh, we're headed into a new millennium and mm-hmm. everyone's fucking lonely and killing themselves. Mm-hmm. Like, It's a great mm-hmm. like commentary on that. And I think it was done. I feel yeah. like one thing about Kurosawa is he takes something like hypnotism mm-hmm. or like the internet and yeah. turns it into something that I don't think anybody else could do. No. Like turning like taboo subjects yeah. into like horrifying stories. Yeah. And both of them have a, like a lot of loneliness to them. Yeah, you can feel there's a there's a pulp to it. There's something beyond us, and we can feel it even as an agnostic or atheistic person. Like there's energies beyond ourselves. Mm-hmm. And uh, Kurosawa in these two movies, which I think are a great double feature, they're long though. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't think it was two hours. So like, kind of looking at like sort of mediums in which those things beyond us are tapped into and the consequences of that. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Um, mm-hmm. He does great with like making horror like yeah. so subtle. I do think I preferred Cure, mm-hmm. but aesthetically, Cairo's right there. Like I, I loved Pulse, um, especially the boat stuff. When when my boy, yeah. the cameo, yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, oh, that's my <laughs> boy. Uh, and he, that, I want to take all my fashion notes from him. I want to start just dressing like that. You should. Yeah. You should. Like a, a, a kind of baggy white shirt tucked into high-waisted like dress pants. Big ass boxy coat, like it's so good. Just so just lean good. into it, you know. It was such a good movie, and mm-hmm. it definitely captures the early two thousands right. better than most films have. Mm-hmm. I think it just like it's a time capsule of a movie, and I love time capsule movies. What did you think of the actual horror scenes? Um, they were definitely creepy, mm-hmm. and I definitely well, I feel like a lot of it was kind of like just very tense mm-hmm. because you don't know like if the shadow, like you're looking for like mm-hmm. the shadows, you're looking for like. Right. Anything like Darkness I'm looking, I'm like looking in TV character. screens to see like reflection. Like you're yeah. looking for everything in this movie because I, I knew that yeah. it was kind of like that kind of movie, but I think it's like it's subtle. It's subtle horror. Like mm-hmm. it's 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 like like see the kind of cringy like mm-hmm. body kind of tense up horror. In. Yeah, it's yeah, and of course it, it happened kind of early when the lady was walking. Yes, and she does her little. I was like, what it's the, the it's the strange movements. I couldn't she tell if it, it was like being slowed down or she was walking. There's slow. so many moments where I expected a jump scare. Like, I know it, when she was on the couch, move, and I thought like, like, under be, the thing because we're so we're so prone to jump scares. I really thought it was going to happen and because it subverts the expectation of the jump scare. Yeah, into a slow, 
slow movement and just a regular person's face but something a little off yeah a regular person yeah. walking but something's a little off about their movements yeah and i think there was still it's jump scares so at the sun because we scary. have ju on the grudge ringu yeah. was still going yeah. on so i mean jump scares were still like a big mm -hmm. thing not as much as they are now yeah they're like no. everywhere now but i feel like with this came out people were kind of like always like yeah. on their seat and i even was on my like edge of my bed i was like when is it gonna scare me and i mean in the west we already had jump scares dating back you know forever I yeah mean, nightmare on elm street in the 80s had I rewatched that recently and I so had a good. shit ton of jump scares. <sighs> Funny ones. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Pulse, I, I loved it. I didn't really connect with any specific character yeah, necessarily either. except the girl. I mm -hmm. did really connect with her and kind of the main guy. The, the main two I did like. Yeah. But um, it's so tragic. I think I connected more with the, not the characters, but more with the feeling. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because like and the feeling of loneliness is universal. I think that you don't have to experience like go see it through a character. Because like you kind of just like like sometimes you walk home at night and you just feel lonely. And they capture that so with just someone yes. like walking, like walking. It just it's feels so poignant and ahead of its time in recognizing this trend of like as the internet, like especially in Japan, it's a Japanese mm -hmm. movie, mm -hmm. and you have modern day, you have rapidly declining birth rates, rapidly increasing suicide rates, uh, isolation is. The normal yeah. like mode um, the otaku society right and this is kind of pre otaku otaku has probably existed mm -hmm. like the idea of like a shut-in but with the internet the advent of the internet in people's homes everywhere like they could just connect with themselves and if they experienced grief the loss of someone a further reason to isolate um, and just disappear yeah and 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 it's it's so poignant it was so ahead of its time in recognizing that trend and saying yeah, yeah. this is a problem and it's going to be a pandemic and soon we're going to have no one around it's almost a manifesto of like <laughs> care for each other but yeah what's so beautiful about the way they render it is they say sometimes that's not enough mm -hmm. the two main characters in the end are kind of like both so strongly like no i'll stay with you like yeah. like i'm here yeah, with yeah. you like no matter what and it's still not enough yeah they're like, don't be alone. Don't let yourself be alone. They're still lonely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Human connection is a very important, valuable thing. Yeah. I think people take that for granted. Yeah. Yeah. I still I still lean towards Cure. It's not really fair to compare them, but it they're does feel... They're definitely two different films, 100%. Yeah. But it does, like, I've seen one or two other. I've seen I've seen um, uh, Bright Future. Mm -hmm. And uh, actually, I guess it's only Bright Future I've seen. From Kyoshi Kurosawa and I it just he, he's made so many such like drastically different films yeah you can't and Pulse and Cure feel very similar like, okay in okay terms of the way there yeah I've only seen those two and I really want to see Seance and we talked about a couple other ones we do texting, yeah so. Seance we um, talked about Creepy a little creepy, bit Creepy yeah that's the other one um, I do want to see Ends of To the Ends of the Earth I'll see it I don't even know yeah. what that's about yeah but that was it's just it mm -hmm. stuck with me and yeah. so did Cure stuck with me too. Yeah, I think like also Cure is just more like feels like more of like a cinematic, like a filmmaking, like a study film. You know, like every shot, like every story. Yeah, and I feel like that subject was because like Pulse kind of got me a couple times. I was confused about what was going on, mm -hmm. just because yeah. it just like it's a, a part weird of that thing. too. Was uh, the the version that's on Amazon is the version that was like widely available and has been for a long time. It's not like a re restored mm -hmm. or retranslated. The translation's very bad. 
I, like I used the one on Apple. Mm-hmm. Uh, I tried to oh, on interesting. Apple. Yeah. And so I was, so it probably was better. I don't know if it's the same one or not. Did, Did it, it have, have the built in subtitles? subtitles? Yeah, it was built in. Those were bad. Yeah. Those were like, sometimes they didn't even make sense <laughs> in English. I was like, what? Okay, so yeah, we watched the same one. Yeah. All right. It was good, though. It was good. Yeah. It was good. It's a good late night movie. But also, I was kind of like, maybe I shouldn't watch this late at night alone. I know. And at this time, like, <laughs> yeah. why do we both watch this while it's like loneliness is pervasive? That and The Thing would be an interesting double feature. Ooh, interesting. Uh, not trusting, being alone. Eh, maybe not. I, I think know. we should pick a theme and then both of us pick movies. Yeah. And try to see how we can, like, and see if they that. see if they. That'd be kind of fun to do. That would be fun, like okay. a, a concocted yeah, double feature. Yeah. yeah. So now we're gonna finally get onto our deep dive. Deep dive. Deep dive. This is that first deep dive. We're drowning. Captain, there's a uh, 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 fucking uh, movie on the horizon, uh, on the sonar. What is it? I can't see it from here. <laughs> It's it's something big. <laughs> this is fucking stupid. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, so we're gonna ta- we're gonna talk about mm-hmm. Killers of the Flower Moon. You guys could. What are the hand gestures? They could. See, I don't know. <laughs> you were doing like some kind of like you're feeling out the title there. Yeah. We did some research. We did some research for the first time. We ever. wanted to, yeah, we wanted to do a deep dive. We talked about it before, and we were like, yeah, let's fuck it. Let's, let's do, do it. it. Let's do a deep dive. Let's do it. Um, so <clears throat> we'll do a quick little syn- synopsis of mm-hmm. the title. Synopsis. Which I got from Letterboxd because I couldn't find it anywhere else. So Killers of the Flower Moon. When oil is discovered in the 1920s Oklahoma under the Osage Nation land, the Osage people are murdered one by one until the FBI mm-hmm. steps in to unravel the mystery. Mm-hmm. Damn Sort of. Sort of, yeah. That's that's the thing. Letterbox is a little wrong. There. It should have been the, it should have been the OBI or the BOI. The BOI, yeah, yeah, not the FBI. I'll email. Them. But it is the book is about the rise of the FBI. Okay. BOI became FBI. Yeah. You know. Um. So, we, yeah, we did some research. Mm-hmm. So what, what I found <clears throat> was so of course in like 1897 was when the oil was actually discovered. Right. And they were each like a lot of like 657 acres to each mm-hmm. Osage person, which is mm-hmm. a, that's a lot. And it's so interesting because Scorsese does communicate this. He says, you know, through Hale's voice, actually, he's like, they were given the worst land. They mm-hmm. were put in the worst spot and they were seen as like, like you couldn't farm the land. You couldn't uh, do anything like, oh, and that. they'd already been removed and everything. The Osage were sick. Like they have um, chronic sickness mm-hmm. and he's like but but god had other plans like the oil changed everything yeah which is crazy and then white people went to ruin it yep um oh so that was funny in 1923 the tribe took more than 30 million at the time Mm -hmm. which to now is 400 million yeah what yeah well they got another 300 million in 2011 11 yeah yeah, because of mismanagement of yeah. those assets. Yeah, yeah. Were, oh, how much was more. it? I think I wrote it down somewhere. I think it was three hundred twenty million. I read that this morning. Um, three eighty. Three eighty. Three eighty million. That's pretty good. That's crazy. Yeah, twenty eleven. Um, good for them. Good for them. Mm-hmm. And then the nineteen twenty one is when they passed the law about the legal guardians. Mm-hmm. They had to be white. Yes, that was very interesting. I actually did make a note of that because half-blooded and full-blood Osage mm-hmm. had to have white guardians to oversee the management of wealth from the oil. Um, and obviously later, investigations from the BOI proved that there was major corruption. But what's interesting is, like, that's the most redundant fucking, like, 
like takeaway of all time. Obviously, the fact that they were not trusted with their own assets, like, is, is crazy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Scorsese does a good job of showing that right away. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's um, it's not the first like scene that we see, but Molly talking to her guardian, who is later a part of the KKK. Yeah, and is involved in the Freemasons plot. Yeah, 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 yeah. is. Uh, He's her guardian, and, and she's asking just to get abscess removed. Like she can't, she can't even get medical money without like, people. Yeah. Nothing. She has to have a guardian. That's, yeah, and that was crazy to find that he was in the KKK. I was like, wait, yeah. wait. The fact that Congress passed that law is just insane to me. Yeah, and it was like what 1921. Like the murders have been occurring since 1918. Mm-hmm. Did and you they see went this on. number? This and, this is maybe my main problem with the movie. 60 plus. Yeah, I have that written down. 60 plus from 1918 to 1931. Uh, And and many more were misreported or covered up thanks to new stuff. Yeah, I have here. Scorsese didn't necessarily, and this might not be his fault. It might also be a part of Grand because it is focused on that family line. The family, yeah. Um, It doesn't really communicate the scale. When they were talking about the reign of terror and stuff, I was like, I was like, well, you know, that's crazy, but like they had the lights out and everything. Remember, yeah, yeah. to keep the murder away. And I was like, that that's that's cool, but it seems like it's one family, aren't they? Like you know, yeah. It was over sixty and more, way more. We yeah. had people getting shot in the head from the back. No investigation done. They're holding a gun. Yeah, because which makes, put it in their hand. That makes no fucking sense. It, no, but they just kind of—they're like, oh, well, they killed, they killed yeah. themselves. Oh, yeah, suicide. here I have like the timeline of like 1921, like mm-hmm. Anna Brown was murdered mm-hmm. and she was found by the creek, mm-hmm. and then 22 William Stepson, which was the guy who was poisoned, mm-hmm. and then the 23. This is crazy. Tilly Powell, Charles Williamson, Lizzie Q, Henry Roan, Rita Smith, Nettie Berkshire, Will Bill Smith, William Bigheart died in 1923, mm. and then in 1925, 60 other people had died. Not not including just them. There's supposed to be over a hundred people dead from like these twenty something years. Yeah. I think that's just And the the constant marriages leading immediately to death. Yeah. And like, I had no one thought that was suspicious. Yeah. And it's just crazy. What's what's so atrocious is that the only reason that this story is being told is because this was the exception. They were actually caught. They were actually yeah. tried and indicted and, and did time, like life in yeah. prison, which yeah, is yeah, good, yeah. because so many of these other murders went unanswered. Un, no, no one was punished for it. Yeah, no one, and that's why it's like if you look at the cases from this time, like the Hale case is kind of the main one because it's the only one where they kind of get caught. Yeah, like, and like speaking of like even getting caught, mm-hmm. like um, I have some fun little facts. I mean, it's not really fun. Mm-hmm. But like William Hale was sentenced to life in prison mm-hmm. in 1947, mm-hmm. and no, he got he was sentenced to life and he got paroled in 1947. He did, yeah, and then he died in 1962. Yeah, my parents were born in 64 and 65. Yeah, dude, Ernest Burkhart was with us until what 86. 86. So in 1962, um, I have a couple things that Hulk was created in 1962. Uh, Marilyn Monroe died in 1962. Jamaica becomes independent, and West Side Story won the Best Picture at the Oscars in 1962. That's crazy. I wonder if he saw it. Do you, uh, you wonder? He might have. Yeah. And then Molly Burkhart died in 1937 at the age of 50 mm-hmm. after remarrying. That that final that final scene of the of the film where it's Scorsese himself comes out and talks into the mic and says all her all her obituary said was the date that she died. Yeah. Her name. That's it. That's it. And like. 
how poignant it is in the hurt in his eyes. It's not just acting. It's crazy. Like, you can feel, it feels like a culmination of, of all of this sorrow and pain that is, it's just all throughout the film. It's crazy how 1937 and 1962, like, mm-hmm. those years are just, it's 30 years, but it feels like, because... When she died, right. the Spanish Civil War was only in its second year. Yeah. World War II was still going. Yeah. Uh, Picasso finished another painting. Picasso was still alive when she died. And there was only the ninth Academy Awards. Yeah, it's interesting how the way that history is taught to us, on purpose, this is this is the thing that people miss, is that it is on purpose. Yeah. It obscures the timeline. We're like, oh, Picasso long time ago you think uh, like 1800s yeah uh and the all the native american murders and genocide and trail of tears and all this stuff so long ago Mm -hmm. no like the people who were involved in this lived to see you know fucking color television uh color photography already existed in textbooks they're turned black and white on purpose to make it seem like we don't have such a modern connection yeah a lot of you know a lot of us our grandparents were involved in this yeah, our grandparents were were at least aware of it. We're at anti, you know, we're at segregation rallies, things like that. Like we have to reckon with the fact that these people that may still be kicking, you know, had a hand in this. Yeah, because like it's it, like, and we still benefit. It's from like it. slavery, mm-hmm. in like the way where it, like it, it is depicted, like it happened like yeah. Before technology, or before like there was light bulbs, it just it just it's again like we were taught like when you think slavery, I think of like Harriet Tubman, Underground Railroad, yeah, but she was alive, or Rosa Parks even like I feel like mm-hmm. that was like so long ago, the Jim Crow era and everything, and yeah. it's really not, yeah, it's really not that uh, far, and I think that that's something that Emmett Till right wasn't that like nineteen uh, uh, ten I want to say ten their twenties like tens or twenties, mm-hmm. and it's just it's it's insane like no it may have been even more recent I think. Let me look that up. Um, but I remember the, the first black girl to go to a white school. She's 60. Like, she's 60 years old, and she was the first black girl to go to an all-white school. Or to, be, to, like, to she's like... She's only 60. That's insane. I'm like, what? And, like... Fi- 1955. 55. Oh, we were was Till. That's, that's, like... That's fucking recent. Elvis was playing the hits. You know who's still alive? William Hill and Ernest Burkhart. Yeah, true. Murderers. We're living free in Oklahoma. When Ernest Burkhart died in 1986, Pixar was founded. Chernobyl happened. Top Gun was released in theaters when Ernest Burkhart died. <laughs> and oh, Out of Africa won Best Picture. I had to include the Oscars then, to just put in perspective. Out of Africa with uh, Robert Redford? And Meryl Streep. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. I heard it's kind of panned. It's Sidney Pollack, though, right? I think so, yeah. I do love Sidney Pollack. Me too. I love him. Sorry, that's totally inside. <laughs> um, but I, think, I just think that's crazy that like these big events in our life... Mm-hmm happened so close to each other like because like 1930s we were all born and i was born in 1990s yeah <laughs> yeah so close like 1996 so reckon with like how recent this was mm-hmm. like it's crazy and how it's treated that this mm-hmm. is ancient history which there's two there's two ways that you can look at it pessimistically holy shit like we're still guilty of it mm-hmm. today like um it, to an insane degree I mean, the the average life expectancy, if you look at like the Lakota Nation, mm-hmm. right, it's like 30, if that. Like, alcoholism, uh, opioid addiction, oftentimes they're being born into violence and, and straight up into like, like the best life that they can hope for yeah. is, is servitude at like a fucking 
uh, country club. Like, that is on their land. Yeah. It's just so fucked. It's so fucked. And we continue to do nothing about it because it's like, oh, whatever. Oh, Jackson Hole's so nice. Oh, it's so nice. Like, yeah. are you kidding me? Like, we have to do something about it. We have to represent these stories because, you know, that, that's just fucking important. And, like, that's that's step one. The, the optimistic way you can look is, is the progress that has been made at least, not maybe necessarily materially, mm-hmm. because materially we've made no progress, mm-hmm. but outside of that, like on, on, a, on a conversational level, on, a, on an idyllic level, like people are thinking more about these stories, about how to fix it. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. a general consensus is like, I, like, I know a lot of people who are pro-land back, you know, I'm oh, pro-land yeah. back. I am too. So, you know, it, it's just, and it's crazy. Cause like, again, like throughout my childhood, and I think yours too, we're not mm-hmm. that far, far apart, but like Columbus day was a big holiday. Yeah. Like you would do arts and crafts in school about like, Oh, like let's create the Mayflower. Like let's create the fact that all the stuff on it. Right. And then when you get older, you realize like Thanksgiving. Like, like, what the fuck? <laughs> I, I don't even like Thanksgiving that much. I hate the no, food. It's crazy. It's crazy. Um, well, let it but it's crazy. Cause like this is also in, I'm going to, reference like a white director movie but Wind River love Wind at River. the end how it talks about how like still like thousands of girls go missing still right and this was like what like eight years ago when this right. came out and then I went online to some research and um, I found this number in last year there were 5,487 missing or murdered Native American women and girls yeah out of all the tribes just in one year that's five five thousand yeah and I know that women and are more uh, susceptible mm-hmm. to like being murdered and like going missing yes. and <clears throat> you know the men really don't do anything or can't mm-hmm. do anything it's kind of it right. depends on the situation i'm guessing right you see um, these, these tiktoks of of um fear mongering because they make money and they say if there's uh if there's money tucked in your um windshield wipers don't touch it it's laced with the deadly drugs that will knock you out and then they'll put you in the human trafficking it's not how it works uh-huh. that shit is is not real Human trafficking is a very real, real, real issue. Yeah. And they prey upon those who are disenfranchised, mm-hmm. who are powerless, mm-hmm. who are already on the outskirts of society because they've been systematically, systemically placed there. And uh, the indigenous tribes are a great example of that. Um, black and brown communities in general, and then not even to mention abroad, uh, in, in, in Asian communities especially, yeah. human trafficking runs rampant there. They're not after wealthy suburban whites, you know? That's yeah. not how that works. Yeah. So it, it's very... And... Yeah. That's that's very interesting. And I saw someone on TikTok talk about... Almost 6,000. Yeah, last year alone. And there's like, what, I think 30, 30 24, 30 active tribes, I think. Across I the states, so, yeah, it's something like that on the number. Yeah. I didn't get that part. Some of them are conglomerate nations, yeah. like in um, the Pacific Northwest. They have um, yeah, yeah, yeah. they really a lot of conglomerate thing. nations um, that used to be a bunch and have like kind of been like it's probably because like hyphenated yeah, essentially. Yeah, um, but I saw someone on TikTok say like um, Native Americans have free college. They have like mm-hmm. they have like other things that they get money, and mm-hmm. I was like, you can you can have the opportunity for a free college, right. but if you don't have the the rest of the support system to even right. get there. What's the point of having right. that? You know, like the, yeah, they have like a possibility of getting like a grant, but like people who take a stance against social welfare tend to be the people who should shut the fuck up the most. Like, I don't get it. It's like, Oh, uh, 
they just want to stay on food stamps and unemployment. Do you think that's fucking like a nice life to live? Yeah. Do you think that's like they they do that because they want to? Like, that's not how that works. Like, that's and like, not how we're that not a political podcast. No, we're not. But I think that there's a point where like this isn't political. It's just mm-hmm. like standing up for the right thing. Yeah. And the people who were here before us and people who mm-hmm. Americans and Mm-hmm. English people took their land mm-hmm. and killed them and clearly from this movie mm-hmm. which was happened this what like last century well and every everything is politics I mean every everything is politics yeah uh, and politics is violence and anywhere that there's violence uh, there's those who decide to look away you can't look away that's the exact problem with the Osage murders that's the exact problem with right now Gaza right like again yeah we're not a political podcast we don't this Discuss these topics specifically, but you have to be aware because if you're not aware and you're not like trying to have a voice on this or trying to engage with it to some degree, that is a level of privilege that not everybody is afforded. Yeah, you know. And you think about it: if the tables were turned the other way, mm-hmm. outcry. Yeah. If Native Americans were killing white people when they got into their land, like this, yeah. would, they would they would be shot and or, or shot down like immediately, right. immediately when this happened. Right. Well, and that's that's what we did. We tell stories. I learned in history class about you know the quote unquote savage attacks. Yeah, that, like they would come in and, and rape and pillage. And, yeah, yeah, exactly. And attack these these just and you would see drawings in like textbooks too about that. And happening. it's just yeah, and it's like what? Like we're still taught that this was not I, even if it did happen, just a retaliation, like a a, a defensive. I just fight for your your life, basically yeah. your rights and that settler colonialism is like a problem and again like contemporary times we see this right now propaganda right western propaganda to dehumanize uh malcolm x said that propaganda like the 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 oppressors will have you believe that the oppressed are monsters and uh the oppressors are victims that's how they do it like that's how they do it. Yeah. Uh, look at Jim Crow era, mm-hmm. right? The scary, what they did with Emmett Till. They said Emmett Till, you know, uh, sexually assaulted her and harassed her and blah 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 blah. blah. Like they they shift to try and demonize these people. Uh, the conversation always opens with, "Do you condemn Hamas? Do you condemn?" Framing it as some sympathy towards the mm-hmm. the act of taking lives or taking mm-hmm. hostages, mm-hmm. and it's like. Do you condemn Israel for 15,000 hostages and another 2 million in Gaza itself, another 3 million on the West Bank? Like, And, like, when you see the map, because oh the map is insane, saying that technically, I don't know. It's, it's not, not to get into that, but it's just... It's just it's hard to yeah. not see the parallels between the settler colonialism that we that that is not ended. We, we actively enforce and reinforce the structure every day that we occupy land here mm-hmm. it's hard to see that and to also like not draw comparisons to contemporary times what's in the news right now what is is happening all around us mm-hmm. and the the media's role in that and the government's role it's just very interesting and it, and it goes great into like white cover-up which of course like the yes. police were doing the doctors were doing the mm-hmm. lawyers were doing mm-hmm. the bank was doing mm-hmm. and like and that's probably happening. it's happening over there. Like obviously, like everybody is covering up or sticking up for something that's not what they should be doing. We can see these structures all around us, and these, multiple these, times throughout history. Yeah, it it repeats itself. When people say history repeats the, itself, they're always they're so right, but they're not quite there. 
what they're failing to see is that it is by design, that it is systems of oppression and extraction um, that are created to cyclically, like as part of empire. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, whatever. It's so, it's, we live in the age of powerlessness and arguably that has always been the case. So yeah, we're all just serfs. It's just, it's, whatever. it's, it's, it's fucked up. It is. And it's a shame that like hundreds and thousands of people are losing their lives. It is. And to create a blockbuster, a, a, a three and a half hour magnum opus epic that represents these stories in such a, a distinct and, and, and morally righteous way is it's kind of phenomenal that this story is being told, mm-hmm. um, that it's being received, mm-hmm. that like, you know, that is progress. Yeah, is it, it is. Is it a perfect movie in terms of representation? No. Uh, you listen to the voices of indigenous people, they'll, they'll tell you that. I heard a really good, I read a really good excerpt today though from a critic who said, is it perfect? No, um, it is progress, but like they said, What's, what's important is people are aware now that you can't tell these stories without the involvement of the community, that to do so is to extract a resource the same way mm-hmm. that uh, they've ex- like stolen oil, land, you know, food, and lives. Like, you're taking the trauma and the spirits in. So to say that that was done without a level of ethos, yeah. without a level of yeah. consultation, I don't think it's fair to Scorsese. Who, yeah. um, um, Lily Gladstone said that uh, the extensive collaboration with the Osage Nation greatly changed the film from its original vision. That they, they completely changed gears to try and tell the story in a, in a way that was more accurate to what the Osage Nation themselves were present for. That's a true. lot of them were alive for it. Well, that's, I don't know. I'm sure like maybe grandparents or maybe like ancestors yeah, or something like that. At least that um, life expectancy is incredibly yeah. shockingly low. Yeah. Um, and I think that like, if you think about it, this is not as fucked up as I want to make this sound, but if you're going to give this story to be told mm-hmm. through a, a Native American like director, mm-hmm it would not have been received as well as it is. It wouldn't have. Like wide, like wide audio, like wide yeah. release or anything because that's just not how it is. Like, yeah. you the know, studios wouldn't have funded Yes, exactly. Um, if you're going to give a first time Native American director because they don't have a lot of chances in the first place, if you're going to give someone like that an opportunity on like a $200 million mm-hmm. movie, they're not going to give that to you. So like, I think Marty, Martin, <laughs> um, you know, took an opportunity to tell a story that is not yeah. his and to like give... He's a mouthpiece in a way. He is. And yeah. that sounds like so fucked up because like, of course, no. like you don't want like mm-hmm. to be underrepresented or misrepresentative by someone. No, I don't think anyone listening would, would misinterpret that as you saying that that is like how it should be. I like, think it's the truth right now. Yeah. I mean, how many Native American and indigenous like directors can you name off the top of your head without notes? You know what I mean? Like, it's not a lot. It's It's tough because... Like, there's a whole pre-show at Alamo for it um, that talks about, you know, these specific actors and directors who are relatively involved, or at least, like, it's kind of like what they did with the AAPI, yeah. Um, yeah, 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 like, representation. And it's interesting because I love film, and I love indigenous literature. I've taken courses mm-hmm. on indigenous literature, decolonization, things like that. 
I haven't seen most of these or heard of these because these stories are just underrepresented yeah. and they're not platformed. And I think it goes to say like a lot of other like minorities, like yeah. even like, you know, Mexicans and right. Asians and black people. Like I think now we like now it's different. We have Spike Lee, mm-hmm. we have Jordan Peele. Mm-hmm. We have these people who are now I think can, and Spike Lee's been able to carry his name for since like the nineties. Mm-hmm. It's interesting you bring up Spike Lee. I was going to bring him up later. Because I think that it takes time, but mm-hmm. it shouldn't take time. Mm-mm. But it, it unfortunately takes time for uh, people of color and especially like people who are underprivileged, like indigenous people and Native mm-hmm. Americans. And I, I did make a list of 50 narrative um, movies from Native Americans and indigenous from like mm-hmm. the South Pacific, Australia, mm-hmm. Mexico, yes, uh, South America, Latin America, all those, I made the 50 movies that you can find, like even right. the kids movies, like Brother Bear is in there. It's not like, mm-hmm. it's not like a, it's a white person movie, but it does touch subjects I think for kids. Yeah, and I think that it was approved by like a, a council that it was a good movie. Yeah, really representation. I love Brother Bear. I love Me the too. first, um, the first, like, thirty minutes of that. I think is great. <laughs> when he so becomes good. a bear, I'm, it becomes less interesting to me. It's still a good movie. I love it. Yeah, and I've seen like I've seen like a horror movie called Blood Quantum hmm. about about like a zombie apocalypse, but it only affects mm-hmm. white people. Interesting. And because their blood is pure, the Native Americans. So that is in the pre-show. Yes, that's in the pre-show. So that's a good movie. It's on Shutter. Uh, Go check it, it out. It looks very interesting. It's very good. And then I've seen Whale Rider, but I was a kid. But I, uh, that Blood Quantum doesn't it have the guy who's in Killers of the Flower Moon as one of the BOI in it, detectives, but he goes in as kind of undercover. Uh, I, I saw a glimpse of that today because I might be, but I don't know. Let's do some research. Um, so yeah, we did a lot of research. <laughs> Which is, it's fun, it's fun to learn about. It's fun to like, yeah. I mean, it's not like a great topic to like read about, but. And maybe, maybe the through line isn't perfect here because I do want to talk about the production a little bit, like in terms of like film stuff, but I, I, and I don't know whether it's better to have done that and then ended on the, like. I guess we can talk about like what we thought about the film and we can go from there. That too. Um, We can talk about like. I I do want to, I do want to mention one specific scene at least. Um. The flame scene it's it's the most visually distinct part of the entire film mm-hmm. and it's like I, I was I we were talking about it. I'm like how did they do that how did they do that what is that like and the symbolism that's involved in it and I actually did pull a quote and I found this on reddit quoted from an interview um, uh, the interviewer asks there are some visionary moments in killers I noticed for example that went on the hellish feverish night when Hale is burning his fields in the distance for the insurance Molly tells Ernest you're next she says that and then immediately you cut to that incredible shot in the heat haze of the crucified figure remember the the Mm -hmm. person holding the thing and it looks like they're on the cross Mm -hmm. very interesting and Marty laughs and says well thank you we had Michael Arnold who was our choreographer on Wolf of Wall Street 2 and then he says when Bill Hell burns his fields, I have an image of these demons dancing around the fire, like Walpurgisnacht, the witch's Sabbath. And so I said, what if we get this fire going and we take some of these guys and just have them do interesting moves? Uh, and he said, we had quite a night of shooting. I did certain things with the lenses and heat bars, a lot of heat bars. So A, you have the choreography there. Why people are demons, this is confirmed. Yes. But then B, I was like, oh, you have this level of, um, I, I saw the heat bar part mm-hmm. and I was like, what does he mean a heat bar? Is that mm-hmm. like to heat resistant for the fire? Actually a heat bar, and this is why I was gonna bring up Spike Lee. Spike Lee used it for the hottest day in Do the Right Thing, mm-hmm. right? Heat bars are like 
a flaming bar that you put underneath the lens. Oh, that way it creates that distortion oh. up close. And that way you can have that like visual distortion. Okay, that's very distinct. That's very interesting. And it creates such an interesting effect. It, it almost looks like they're in oil, you know, like. Yeah. It's so amazing. Genius, genius. You could almost reach out and touch it and you could feel the heat coming off of that. That was scene. a great scene. It's that was a great so scene. distinct. And, and and hearing him say that his original idea was to have this like idea of like a witch's like night, like these these fucking ghouls just out yeah. like yeah. being evil. Like oh it's very interesting. It is. It's very interesting indeed. And I think the movie itself is like a it's mm-hmm. like it, it feels like a painting. It does. I think the way it's framed and shot is yes, yeah, yes. It's definitely. I think I have. To be fair, I haven't seen a lot of Marty's mm-hmm. work. I've seen like the big, the big hitters. Yeah, but I haven't seen like all of them, so I can't say. People call this movie a western. That gets under my skin. Mm-hmm. It's an anti-western. It's kind of the opposite. That's why it, it avoids every single. It just takes place in the west. Not, exactly. not even the west. Wait, is it the Oklahoma west? It is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it takes place in the west. And and so much of westerns are about the frontier. And this is kind of showing how evil the frontier is. Also, it takes place after, like later, when the frontier is more is is kind of gone, you know. And it, I don't like calling it a western just because there were cowboy hats. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. there's just, just yeah. fashion. Um, could you say that it has some like broader themes of western? Sure, but again, I think it it, it uses them specifically to subvert that yeah. genre, um, and especially because I'm gonna say 99 percent of westerns predict Native Americans as bad people. Exactly. So I think to label yeah. it under the same genre is not fair. No, absolutely. And I think that's why I don't really like. I never really liked westerns. I feel like it's just hard I love to love westerns. It's hard for me to get into personally. Yeah, I love westerns. I love neo westerns. I could do um, a neo western because I feel like it's fun. Yeah, neo westerns more so yeah. than anything. Um, but even ones like reactionary cinema. You want to talk about cinema that portrays things in a negative way, but can still be a transcendent form of art in an interesting, mm-hmm. problematic way. Uh, S. Craig Zoller. Right, he did Bone Tomahawk. Very bad movie on every level, and yet it's it's a fucking masterpiece of like horror, gore, like whatever. Kind of an aside. Um, I did also want to mention uh, there's a, a, a broader discussion ongoing on Twitter right now about Robert De Niro's clothes in the scene where he pulls up. He's wearing very striking garb. He mm-hmm. has these goggles on mm-hmm. to keep the dust out, like motorist goggles. He's got like this this kind of billowy hat and this billowy outfit. Yeah. Um, and people were like, "Wouldn't it be interesting if you looked at this as a he he's he's dressed as like the owl. Um, he he kind of looks like an owl, and the owl is seen as a a, a, a um, sign of death. Of death. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's that's true. They talk about that in the movie. And a lot of people think, well, no, that's overthinking it. Scorsese has been very clear about how important clothes are to him. Yeah. Uh, Apple TV itself like uh made a tweet essentially confirming the owl like he's the he is the sign of death Mm -hmm. and when the owl itself comes in he's uh, portrayed immediately ernest burkhart follows in that footsteps like it's it's very specifically these are the owls well remember when the fire scene and like she well not the fire scene like he's like away somewhere and then Mm -hmm. she sees the owl the owl and then he's in the bed and he she's like are you real yeah. So that also is confirming the fact that exactly. he is the owl, exactly. which is I never think about that. That's and inhales who being dressed as the owl is just so interesting. I will say that this is probably one of my favorite Robert De Niro performances. He's so fucking wicked. He's, he's so, so good wicked. at being evil, and he's like 
complete opposite. Mm-hmm. So I think it's so, he just does such a good job of tapping into mm-hmm. someone who is hmm, someone who's charming, likable, relatable, mm-hmm. but deep down pure evil mm-hmm. as a person who has got nothing but the worst intents for other people. Yeah, he's so scary because he he's introduced in kind of a, a, a nice way. Mm-hmm. You can feel something else going on, but he's like, hey, educate yourself on the Osage, learn their language, mm-hmm. marry them. They're the finest people on earth. They uh, thankfully have all this wealth, like they're so sweet. And then he proceeds to actively try to destroy them while continuing to just always try and save face. He always wants to present himself as a community leader, as whatever. And meanwhile, he's doing this horrible fucking shit. Like he is the problem Mm -hmm. and he's covering it up. And it's so interesting to show that there's, it's a good representation of how empathy itself can be a a disguise for wickedness. Like he is, he's hiding behind this level of like, I understand these people and I love them yeah. and I'm charitable. It's paternalism, right? It's it's uh, it's racist white paternalism. And to see that represented so distinctly on the big screen, it was just, it was striking for me. Yeah. It's like, oh my God. Um, on the opposite of that, I will, I do have a hot take. Hmm? I did not care for Leonardo DiCaprio in this role. Uh, it was not supposed to be his role. As you can tell. Arguably, it was supposed to be Jesse Plemons. I heard they switched it, yeah. Yeah, uh, and Leo was originally supposed to be part of the BOI. I I, 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 just, I didn't hate his role. I feel like for me, same with a little bit mm-hmm. with Robert, it's just like, mm-hmm. like I know they're collaborators with, collaborators mm-hmm. with um, Scorsese, it's just sometimes when you see Leonardo, you just cannot help but picture Leonardo DiCaprio, and to be fair, I don't know if anybody else could do this role like him, but mm-hmm. for the first couple of scenes he was in, I just it, it just took me out because I just saw him, and I just don't think that he played yeah. dumb well enough to really get it. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't believe that he is really like that. Because remember, she calls him, oh, he's right. stupid, but like, I love him. Right. Like, His eyes I, I just don't feel, stupid. yeah, I just don't feel like that's yeah. something that I just got throughout the movie. I sort of agree with that. Um, I, I do, I really... I liked his performance because I think he had to carry so much with it. So much, like, he both had to to show that he really did love her mm-hmm. and that he was so dumb. He had nothing to gain. He was a coward, a sad, pathetic coward who was so easily manipulated into yeah. doing this because he felt like he believed that he was entitled to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it was so interesting to see him... He did communicate that aspect very well, but I did. I felt like, I feel like Leo can't help, but he he has to be a hero. He can't help but have some level of like romantic hero aspect going mm-hmm. on. He he want, he plays it like it's a like it's a lead, yeah, and not like it's a fucking uh, 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 noose. You know what I mean? Like he he just didn't sell me on. I don't know. I could have seen Jesse Plemons in that role. I really could have. Yeah. Uh, and I could have seen Leo as the head of the F- yeah, uh, BOI. The BOI. Um, um, but I think them flipping it, especially physically, I think he did a really good job. He. Yeah, I think he was physically. He has this role. weight on. He he does this thing with his face. His, his jaw thing. Yeah, the jaw thing makes him almost unrecognizable in that way. Um, yeah. I didn't. I, I didn't feel too taken out, and especially there's a scene where he's in jail. I will say I was gonna say the ending. Died. I think is probably his best. His when best his kid acting. Has died. Yeah. Fuck, dude. 
fuck. The way he falls on the floor and just, like, he's not even just crying. He's physically. Like, reacting. Crying. Yeah. yeah. He's he's convulsing. And I, I that was one of the best performances, like, that singular moment, mm-hmm. at least, of the whole film. Um. Yeah, the third act is when his performance really. I was out. gonna say, yeah, his third act is when his performance really kicks yeah. in for me personally. Yeah, the first, not even the first act. It was like the first like 30, 40 minutes. I was just like, mm-hmm. I, but well, I find I, I, I finally like just got into the it. The storm scene where uh, they're together and he's like, I love that money. He's like, a guy like me wanna. Uh, Other in the car. Uh, yeah, sleep all day and make a party at night. Uh-huh. Uh huh. You know that that scene, I, I felt convinced too. He's like working his charm. He's trying to be funny and like. He genuinely is interested in her and things like that. Very interesting. And of course, we have to talk about. Of course, we have to talk about Lily, Lily Gladstone, Gladstone, baby. I have to watch certain women. Oh, I know. That's so bad, dude. She destroyed me. I did not expect to cry in this movie. I thought it's gonna be sad. Yeah. I'm gonna feel yeah. bad. I'm gonna feel bad, bad, bad. Oh but yeah. I'm not gonna cry. She's at the bottom of the stairs, and she gets word that she doesn't even get word that her sister's been killed. He just shakes his head like. Just a little tiny shake, and she just her her yells and groans. They just killed me. Well, and her laugh, (laughs) her little laugh in the car. It's so good. I can't. I can't even do it. It's good. It's good. She was phenomenal. She was phenomenal. Destroyed me. Every chance she got, she destroyed me. Subtle. She was very subtle, but striking acting. Yeah, because there's a lot of scenes where because she has to be like the she's just the quiet. I would say that's the problem with Leo's performance. Jesse Plemons knows how to who, how to be quiet and reactive as mm-hmm. an actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, very similar to, and this is super tangential, but driving my car, you have the lead actor. Why is he so good? Ryusuke Hamaguchi talks about casting him and why he was a hero to him. Because he has this power to visually listen. He listens and he reacts. He can communicate so much without saying a word. Yeah. Jesse Plemons does the same. He's there. It's in his eyes. It's in his face. And he does it subtly. He does great acting. Lily Gladstone did, does the exact same thing, and seeing if they two were together, that would have been a very interesting right. combination. I because, almost wish I could see that version. Because the, the scene at the end, where they're in that room together, and she asks him, "What did you give me?" and he just says, "Insulin." And you can you know in her eyes, oh, you can tell in her fuck. eyes that she's sad, she's mad, and she knows the truth. Just think about it. I have chills. And you, because she does such and a great he's, job. He's just like shaking. And he's like, like just insulin. insulin, like bitch. Insulin. And he knows what he did. Yeah, he and he still can't even tried to kill he her. Can't even tell her the truth. To kill her, and yet he's like he, he's like having to reckon with the fact that he didn't even want to do it. He doesn't know why he did it. He did yeah. it because he was told to. Yeah. He did it because he was told to. Yeah. What the fuck? Like, God. and that arguably is sort of one of the issues with the movie is like we can't picture an actual Ernest Burkhart actually loving this woman. You can't mm-hmm. do these things and mm-hmm. love someone and, 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 and try and save it in the end. I did. I do have a little uh, page about like movie things that were different from the movie and the film. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the questions was like, did Ernest Burkhart really love Molly? And uh, letters, letters and like mm-hmm. family evidence said that he did love Molly. And mm-hmm. then when, before, like I think, before Ernest was put on trial, she said nothing but good things about Ernest being like, he's a good person. Mm-hmm. I love him. He's a father of my kids. I can't, I can't see him doing something like this. But she know that he did. She knows that he did it. But I think that mm. 
I think the love I think the love was there. Yeah. I just don't think that it was just like this grand oh, love, you know. And another thing that was actually different mm-hmm. um, was when the FBI came, is that it was true up to a point that it had come to save to save to figure out the who was killing right. him. But uh, they were all undercover except for Tom White. Like none of them revealed they were with the with the yeah. FBI. But that was interesting because. Um. Yeah, in, in the movie, I don't know that they show that necessarily. They do yeah. have the one undercover guy. Yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. really good. Yeah, and they don't even know if that was real. They said that they were there's no real evidence that that was a real. Um, he was a real BLI agent. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Oh, and then also another big difference is remember the private investigator, how he was killed. Yeah. He didn't die in real life. He actually uh, was a predecessor to John Edgar Hoover, or J Edgar Hoover in the FBI. So he didn't die in real life. And I think they switched names up to make it different, but the person. What was it? The name? Interesting. He didn't die. Yeah, he became Hoover's predecessor for the FBI. Whoa. So I think they, I think they just kind of switched names around and did yeah, stuff. But they like did take some the real person who the private investigator was named after. Was I want to read the book so bad. I and do too. I, I do wish that like part of me wishes that we could have read the book before this because but it's just it's such a big book and I don't even have it yet. So I was like, fuck, I can't do this in like two days. <laughs> that turnaround would have been would have been tough. crazy. Um, but yeah, I think that's really all I wanted to say for that movie pretty much. I will say I loved it. I think it's up there with my favorite Scorsese um, movies of all time. It Definitely. may be my favorite Scorsese. And and I also want to clarify that just because I would love to have seen the Jesse Plemons version mm-hmm. where he's in the lead uh, as Ernest Burkhart, I would have also loved... Like, that doesn't take away from the fact that I, I think... Leo's role I sort of disagree with you there I do see what you're saying mm-hmm. but I, I, I thought his role was like I didn't see any like major weakness in it other than that m- maybe the casting itself wasn't gotcha. perfect no I, I see I, I, but I think that. he acted the shit out of it you know I, got, I came around to him it just took me longer than I had expected I think yeah but um, also the Martin cameo took me out for t- a little bit at the end I, I understand. did find it I, jarring. I, yeah, I was like, huh? The shift from that scene to that, there almost should have been something in between yeah. to let us flow into Because it just happened out of nowhere. But I do think it was on purpose to then shift to the radio drama aspect. Yeah. I didn't love that it had the Jack White cameo that took me out of it. And then they were like, and then Martin came out. I will say, though. Love it. At first, yeah. I was like, I, was like oh, I, don't, I don't like what's happening here. And then he says... You know, when they shift to Martin instead of the actual speaker, yeah. and he comes out and he says that little monologue about like Molly died. This, yeah, all it said was, yeah. her. and the the pain in his eyes. I really do. It definitely takes you. Oh shit! It definitely cool. takes you out to tell you that mm-hmm. the real life of the yeah. of it all. But that that split second he was on screen, I said, "What the hell?" I almost can see when he has a cameo in almost every one of his movies. Yeah, um, but I just this one just I think it's just it's literally the end. Yeah, it kind of just. I almost can see that being that specific thing that Molly's story just has not been told right like mm-hmm. and I don't think it has it all I've never heard about this until now yeah that that is like why he wanted to tell that story why he wanted to do mm-hmm. the movie and that's why it was important for him to come out and say mm-hmm. that you mm-hmm. know at the end and, and end it that way yeah I think uh, uh, who else uh, credits Robert Prieto the cinematographer did amazing Thelma work. Schumacher, the editor? Yes. Oh, my God. The editing in this movie is insane. That, how did she do that? 
How did you do that scene? <laughs> that one scene where it flips from day to night with a camera whirl. The VFX on yeah. that and the editing yeah. in collaboration. She's she's phenomenal. I think she might win the Oscar. I hope she does. She better. Uh, it's going to go to the fucking... Actually, I don't know who they would give it to because the killer is really well edited and people are talking about how it'll win the editing. You know, it's either that Oscar. or someone from Oppenheimer. Oh, Oppenheimer. Oh, Oppenheimer's editing is, is good. But I think this is just more distinct. Oppenheimer is a masterclass in like narrative editing, yes. but it doesn't have any any flair. Yeah, There's yeah, no I would agree. In the editing I would agree. Room. It was yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's really all I have to say. Me too. It was a great movie. I think great we need to. This was really good. Yeah. We just need to you know tell more Native American stories, listen mm-hmm. to more Native mm-hmm. American stories, and just embrace them. That's all. And you're you're linking your list. right? I'll link my list. Yeah, you can find the most of them that are usually streaming somewhere. I try to find. It's actually it was actually kind of hard. It's hard, it's hard to find. It shouldn't be, but it, it is. It shouldn't be, but it is. Yeah, there's yeah. a couple that I think that I've been wanting to see that on that list mm-hmm. and stuff, and yeah. So and there's and there's a ton of documentaries. Yeah, and there's a lot of books too. If you want, you know, a list of of indigenous literature to dig into, I've got I've got some really good books. I've got some really good books. Yes, uh, but um, this was this was fun. This is a good, this is a good yeah. little change of format for us. Yeah, it really. Was.